Morning, church. Let's read the Bible together. Um, I'm here to read from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. In the Wallachy household, this is a favourite, both for the reader and the listeners, I think. Um, And it's my privilege to read for you this morning. So, reading from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1, and uh, reading from the New International Version today. One day... As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, also known as Lake of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, They caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. I'm going to move forward a little further in the chapter to verse 27. Titled in NIV, Jesus calls Levi and eats with sinners. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said uh, to Levi. And Levi got up left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thanks, Brian. Um, friends, when Jesus calls people to come and follow him, he also calls them to mission, to share the hope that they have found in Christ. Good news received is good news to be shared. Now, for most of us uh, living and sharing the gospel, uh, we do it in ordinary life. Uh, we hope, I hope you're doing it in ordinary life. Maybe at home, at work, uh, at the gym, at the hairdresser, golf club, at the coffee shop, 
as you naturally talk about your life and people talk about their lives, you are able to share about Christ and what he means to you. So we love people, we share our story, our testimony, we answer people's questions, we explain the gospel, and then we go another step, and maybe you don't go this extra step, we encourage them to believe in Christ. Not enough just to say, well, this is what it's about. The next step is to say, and have you considered making that step of decision to give your life to Jesus? For some, though, it happens in full-time full paid ministry. I get paid to do the work of the gospel. Others in strategic mission in Australia or overseas. For example, Matt and Shannon amongst indigenous people in the Northern Territory, the Sleemans in Lebanon. And today at the moment, he's uh, the interim pastor at Auburn Baptist. So he's preaching his first sermon at Auburn today while he's stuck in Australia. And, uh, and Dave and Kaz in Southeast Asia. I remember when I trusted in Christ as a teenager, uh, I would speak to, about Christ to anyone who came my way. I didn't realize you had to be shy about it. How about you? you know, come, I, 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 no one told me that I, you should keep it to yourself because I figured uh, when you have good news, you share it. Oh, if, if I have a good soccer news story, I share it. I don't have a good one today. We had a bit of a loss last night. Good atmosphere, but a bit of a loss. Those wanderers took us out, 3-2. But you see, it's good news to be shared, an engagement, a party. And when I, I met Jesus, I was forgiven. I was now a child of God. I was now on my way to heaven. I now have the power of God in my life. Why wouldn't you want to tell people about that? Forgiveness, peace with God, and eternal life. And back in the uh, 70s, for those who were alive back then, the younger ones will have no idea what I'm going to sing to you now. No, I'm not going to sing. But I'm going to read some words of a song we used to sing. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. Almost a song, right? I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you follow me, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. And uh, I was just remembering that back in those days. And here we are. It comes out of Luke's gospel, right? Luke 5. It's a call to follow and engage in mission. That's what he says in verses 1 to 11 to the disciples. My singing wasn't too bad, was it? Sorry, okay. Don't mock me too much. See, Jesus, what's he doing? He's building his ministry team. Now, it's not the first time he's met these guys, right? Jesus has been around, he knows them. But at a certain point in his ministry, he says, okay, guys, now's the time. Now's the time. You're coming with me? You ready? You know about me? He says, will you come with me? There's Peter and, uh, and Andrew, his brother, and uh, his partners, James and John. And these guys have been fishing all night with drag nets, and they throw the nets in, they drag the fish. It's not like in a little line here. You know, it's big nets to catch as many fish as possible. And it was backbreaking work, we're told. I've never done it myself, but I'm told it's backbreaking work. They sweated through the night and they caught nothing. That's like most fishermen I know, they spend all day and they catch nothing, right? And uh, they were back at their boats. What they do, they beach their boats in the morning, they eat breakfast, they wash and mend and arrange their nets for drying, they dry them up, they fold them up, they put them back into the boats ready for the for the evening. This morning, Jesus turns up and he turns their world upside down. And he says to them, oh, you've been fishing, right? I want to tell you something in a moment. Jesus says to them, that's going to change your world. But you see, Jesus has already been preaching. You read chapter 4, he's preaching everywhere. He's healing people and crowds are following him. And so he ends up, uh, this is what we read in the first few verses. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. Don't you love that? You see, today in Australia, people push Jesus away 
in that time when Jesus was on the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out demons, the crowds came to him. They didn't push him away. They went, give us some more Jesus, right? That's what they were saying. Tell us some more Jesus. What is it? Where have you come from? You've come from God. Tell us some more. He was at the water's edge and saw two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got up into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. In other words, he was crowded so much he had to go out into the water and stand on the boat and then preach to the people. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. And then, having done that, he addresses the disciples. And the first thing we learn here is that we must obey Jesus despite our reservations. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets, or let down the nets for a catch. These are the guys who've been fishing all night. These are guys who are now mending and drying their nets. No, no, no. Have another go, he says to them. Master. Now, I'm picturing some whining in this, right? Master, we've been doing this all night. We caught nothing. Okay, and he's... He steals himself. But if you say so, I'll do it. Peter had a choice to obey or disobey the master. Peter had a choice to follow directions or to reject Jesus' directions. He is there with Jesus, the son of the living God, and he's got a choice to make. And you and I have the same choice. And Peter passed the test despite some reservations. He had good reasons to disobey Jesus. He had good reasons to say, Jesus, you have no idea what you're talking about. I know. I'm the fisherman. You're a preacher. You're a carpenter. Leave the fishing to me, will you, Jesus? And you just stick to your preaching. But no, he says, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Do you hear that? Because you say so, Jesus, I will do it. And friends, when the Word of God says something to you, you have a choice every time. Do you obey the Word of God or you disobey the Word of God? Do you follow directions? Do you disobey the directions of God? And sometimes you don't want to do what the Word of God says. When God says, you forgive this person who's hurt you, I'm not going to forgive him. He hurt me again. That's it. Not going there. Jesus, I know you say I ought to do it. I'm not going there. And any number of things, right? We want to disobey the Word of God. For example, I'll give another one. The Bible says, uh, I urge you, will you follow God's direction, for example, and use your gifts for the good of the church and the glory of God. God has gifted you as Christian believers with spiritual gifts to use for the good of the church. And now coming out of COVID and where people are stepping up to serve in various ministries, you think, God, what have I got? God, how can you use me? Well, God says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And some people say, well, I don't know, I'm a bit tired, God. I'm not quite sure about this COVID thing. I'll just wait back. And sometimes people say to me, well, when are we going to do this ministry? I said, well, are you volunteering to run it? No, no, no. I'm just wondering who's going to, when are we, when's it going to start up? I said, well, happy for you to help in that or run morning tea or run some lunches or do whatever. Will you step up? It's been it's lovely to see so many people stepping up and serving. And almost all of our ministries are back up and running. Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Remember that just before Jesus' death? He said, we are called to be servants. Pick up a towel and serve others in ministry. 
what we're discovering around talking to different church leaders, and uh, some people are finding it really hard even just to turn up to church, right? To meet with people, to read the Word of God, uh, and, and so on. And so even in our gatherings where we can take up 175, we probably may have 135 here, pre-COVID about 220, 240 people in that gathering. And so some, we've got about, I think about 60 or 70 people watching on live stream this morning. Lovely to have you here watching with us and listening and worshipping with us. But try to work out how as a church, God, how can you lead us forward? How can we get more people on site, more people in the Bible study groups, more people into ministry? Jesus says, do it. We have a choice to obey or disobey. Secondly, recognize your sin and give God the glory. See, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. So there's fish everywhere. Imagine the picture, right? There's fish everywhere. Come over, guys, I need your help. And they pick them all up, and they put them in their boats, and the boats are now sinking. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. This is foundational. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. A supernatural work has just taken place. Peter says, this is not from any ordinary person. This is a miracle upon miracles. There are people who are witnessing this event. You know, all the people that Jesus has been preaching to, they're seeing these guys fill up their boats with fish. And they're all talking about it, cheering them on. They'd be excited. I've never seen so many fish. And you'd expect they'd go and sell their fish to the markets, and they're going to make a fair bit of money out of this, right? Peter's not thinking about the money the markets he sees what has taken place and he realizes that he is in the presence of glory and majesty and when he sees Jesus he went he realized that he is sinful he's rebellious he needs a savior but Jesus is perfect and friends in the presence of the greatness of holiness and majestic glory you can only say go away from me I'm a sinful man and one of the beautiful things about Peter here is he deflects all the credit for this miracle onto Jesus. Now, some of us have a temptation. Imagine you call those fish, right? I mean, I'm sure fishermen do that. I was fishing. Oh, you should see the fish I caught. You know, if you saw those stories, you should see how big it was. Man, it was only this big. Oh, it was massive, right? You should have seen it. And if you catch something big, you're in the newspaper, you hang it up in your house, a photograph off that. Now, Peter could have said, well, guys, look at this. Are we good? <laughs> We've never fished like this. Guys, look at us. Get, employ us to catch fish for you. No, nothing of that. He could have made a lot of money. He could have been focused on the money. He could have gained credit for himself. But no, he realizes all glory, all credit from what has taken place goes to Jesus. That's important. It's a temptation to claim glory in life and ministry. Glory in your preaching, your counseling, in your hospitality, in your cooking skills, in your youth skills, in your witnessing skills, in your praying, in your love, in your new idea. You take glory in that. Friends, if Ange Great Sooners gets the glory, it's all over because it's not about me. And if Nawi Baptist gets the glory, it's all over. It's not about us either. It's about God and His glory. You've heard the story of the pecking order in, uh, with ch chickens. You know what happens when you have 10 chickens, put them into a, a chicken pen. 
spread some food out amongst the chickens. I'm told that in a matter of minutes, the chickens, previously strangers, will form a hierarchy based on dominance. Uh, we call it the pecking order. They're going to start pecking one another to show who is the top chicken and who is the bottom chicken, right? Just like humans, really. <laughs> yeah, they peck at each other. And what happens is one of us takes dominance and pecks. It's the strongest one and then and pecks at one. And the other one goes, well, I can't win this battle and then starts pecking at another one. Says, well, I'm number two, right? Just get out of my way. And the third one that goes to another one, what happens? They work at number one chicken, number 10. Poor number 10, right? Turn around, there's no one else to peck. <laughs> and one of the, the dangers of that is that it happens, though, everywhere. At sporting events and parties and class reunions, family picnics. You know, ever gone back to your school reunion 20 years later and you have a look at, oh, what's he achieved, what's she achieved, what have they, oh, look at the size of their house. Oh, I've got a small house compared to them. Oh, their kids, they're all lawyers and doctors. My kids, well, not so much. I see how they're dressed. My kids don't have that much. They don't dress that well. Their car won't start. I have to call up their Ramey again this morning. But they have three and they all work. It's a pecking order, right? We do, we look around, sometimes we come to church, and well, you know, I'm not sure about that person. I might spend my time with this group, not so much with that group. Because you see, I'm in this place. They're lower. You know, Galatians 6:14. Pastors do it, by the way, all the time you go to a conference, hey, how are you going? How's your church going? How many people coming to church? What's your budget? How much money do you give on mission? How many live streams did you get this week? There's always a temptation to focus on yourself rather than the glory of Jesus. Paul says this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, Peter, when he's in the presence of greatness, when he's in the presence of Jesus, I'm a sinful man, it's all you, Jesus. And friends, when you come to Christ, you say, I'm a sinful person, it's all Jesus. As the Orthodox churches celebrate the resurrection today, and on Good Friday, just a couple of days ago, they're a month after us this year, celebrate the death of Christ on our behalf and his resurrection. We realize it's all Jesus, all glory to him. Thirdly, passionately engage in mission. Don't be afraid. Jesus said to Simon, from now on, you will fish for people. In other words, you've been catching fish, but I have a grander vision for you. I have a bigger vision. I want to explode your thinking, Peter. I want you to come with me on mission. I want you not to catch fish, but to redirect thousands of lives for all of eternity. Cast out the nets, Peter. We're going to cast out the nets, but in a different form, in a different way. Get the word out, share and preach the gospel, love people, so many people would come into God's kingdom. Friends, people's eternal destinies are at stake. And we have to play our part to see them come to know Christ. And that's why in May uh, this month, we, as well as supporting missionaries throughout the year, uh, we are focusing on Southeast Asia and Lebanon and Thailand and PNG and the K people, the H people and the Northern Territory. We're saying that we need to become fishers of men and women. And these people have gone out to unreached areas where other people are not reaching people and we're saying, we stand with you. We may not be able to go overseas, but we stand with you by giving financially, by praying, by learning about you, by reading your newsletters. 
Friends, when my wife and I were in Nepal a couple of years ago with Baptist World Aid, it was amazing. We met Nepali Christians. They were formerly Buddhists and they became Christians. And these guys, I mean, they're a bit like I was when I was 15. No one's told them they should be ashamed about talking about Jesus. They're just talking about Jesus at every opportunity because they've discovered new life in Christ. And as they have opportunity, as they pray, God sees people converted. And one guy was an ex-Buddhist. He was then persecuted and he was taken captive by the communists in the area, taking up, he said, up into the forest for a month. They locked him up in the forest. They wouldn't let him free. And finally, he was able to be free and came back. We met in his home. In his land, piece of land, he's built a little church. He's now running a church on his land, having just been persecuted and opposed. He said, we are followers of Jesus now. He has changed everything for us. Friends, we are seeing this right across the globe. We need to be a world missions church. We need to be people who are constantly thinking, praying, not simply for Nawi, but for the nations. And May helps us to refocus on that a little bit. Then he says, follow him. They pulled up their boats up on shore, led everything, left everything and followed him. In a sense, we follow Jesus by putting our faith in Jesus. We trust him, we live for him. For most of us, we'll be in Australia. But sometimes he calls you into full-time ministry like these apostles. And maybe God's calling you to go into full-time ministry, to study at Bible college, to become a pastor or to become a missionary or a, a leader or a youth pastor or a children's leader or a chaplain, or something like that. Sometimes God calls you to leave your vocation and go a whole new direction. The Salimans to Lebanon, Emily to Africa, the Nicholsons to Nepal, Dave and Kaz to Southeast Asia, Ado and Claire also to Southeast Asia. God sometimes calls you to step out and go somewhere else. Will you listen and obey? And the, the second passage was of a... I'm taking the second passage. I'll call it the second call. The first call is, come and follow me and be involved, involved in the work of evangelism and mission. In the second one, it's a call to repent and trust in Christ. Now, it is the call to the sick, the sinners, the broken, the, uh, the ones who are far from Christ, to come back to him. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Don't you just love Jesus? He goes to the most hated person in the land. He goes to the most hated person in the land, a tax collector. So just previous to this, Jesus has healed a paralytic, a person who's on the edge of society. We'll speak about that next week. You know, when they went through the roof and Jesus healed this guy, they healed a paralytic. He's on the edge of society. Now Jesus goes to the social outcast, the despised tax collector. Now, if you don't understand what's happening here, the Jewish tax collector is working for the Roman occupying leaders. In one sense, he's sold out on his people. He's now a Jew, but he's working for the Romans. And they have a deal that uh, he has to collect a certain amount of money for the Romans. And he gives it to them. So what they do is they up the amount of money so they can make a killing out of it, ripping off their own people. They work for the Romans. They give you know, the Romans the $100 and they charge extra another 20 so they make the money on top of that. They're hated. In the Bible, they're classed with the robbers, evildoers and adulterers in Luke 18. 
with the prostitutes in Matthew 21, with the pagan Gentiles in Matthew 18. These guys could not serve as witnesses in court and they were excommunicated from the synagogues, couldn't turn up to church. Jesus goes, not to religious guys, say, yeah, come and follow me, to the most rejected outcast in the society. He says, yeah, come. And the guy does. And <laughs> Levi gets up and follows him. Now, Jesus probably had a conversation with this guy previously as well. And Jesus, but at this point, he said, Levi, leave it all behind. Leave your money. Leave your cheating. Leave working for the Romans. Come and follow me. Most scholars identify Levi with Matthew, Matthew 9, 9. And often the, the Christians are like Simon Peter. They had a couple of names. And they think it's probably Levi, Matthew. Becomes one of the 12 apostles. And Levi then throws a party. I love this. See, when a person comes to faith for the first time, they can't help themselves but tell other people about Jesus. So he throws a party and Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Jesus, come to my house. Man, I'm part of your kingdom now. I want to be one of your followers. Come to my house. Let's get the food out. Let's eat. Let's party. Let's celebrate. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. All the other outcasts turned up. All the worst people in your society have turned up to your party. The religious people don't like this at all. But I want to suggest to you when you come to faith, it's a reason to have a party. 21st is not necessarily the best reason to have a party or your 20th birthday, or your 40th birthday, or your 60th birthday for those who just turned 60. Whatever it happens to be. Marriage anniversary. Some are getting close to 60, some are far. 70, 80. But when you get converted, throw a party. Have people over. That's why I say to people, when you get baptized, just do it with two people. Invite all your family. When my daughters got baptized, I door knocked every family member I could find. And invited them, pack this place out. Because it was a party. Someone who was lost and he's saved. Someone who was dead is now alive. Someone who was on the way to hell is now on the way to heaven. And that baptism symbolizes that truth and that reality. Come and celebrate with us. And this is what these guys do. And Bishop Ryle wrote, It is a far more important event than being married or coming of age or being a nobleman or receiving a great fortune. It is a rescue of a sinner from hell. It is passage from death to life. It is adoption into the noblest and riches of all families, the family of God. And you see, Levi invites all his friends, all his unsaved friends. You know, in the work in Southeast Asia, in the Education Foundation, believers mixed with those of other faith. Many of the workers who are teaching English and so on uh, are not Christians. They invite people. Other people work in the building and clean and, and all these other things. They, have, they work together. But then the Christian leaders then have devotions and prayers and Bible studies and build relationships with these people, and then they share the gospel, and people become Christians. Muslims become Christians. And they're baptized. And they're so passionate about Jesus. Remember when I say when you're a new believer? They want to tell their friends about Jesus too. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, you see, the Pharisees, they would not associate with these people because they didn't want to be seen as endorsing the, the, the sins of the people. So as we say, say separate, they're the separate ones. Jesus says, no, that's not how you do ministry. You get alongside people to share God with them. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, 
but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus goes to those who are sick spiritually, to those who need a doctor, to those who know, uh, who know they are broken and needy and sinful, and he calls them to repent and to believe in him. You see, it's not just the disciples we saw in the first section who can enter Jesus' kingdom and follow him. Even the worst of the worst can come into God's kingdom. That's a beautiful message, isn't it? And therefore, we need to remember that we need to go out. We don't expect people to come here. We need to go out, throw the parties, have the gatherings, mix with people at, at, at the soccer ground, or if your kids are playing soccer, at the school PNC meeting. Whatever it happens to be, go out there, meet with people, love them, serve them, offer God's grace. Some of our people go to schools and universities. Some uh, work in hospitals as chaplains. Others uh, go overseas on mission. Others serve the local community through kids clubs and youth groups and other things. We go to offer grace. Many of you can offer grace in your homes, in the shops, in the cafes, wherever you go, that others too would discover that they can be part of God's kingdom. No one is too far from God. No one is too sinful to repent. We all have one hope, Jesus. And you know, there's a hymn called The, the Rock of Ages, which says this, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Vile I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Luke has two calls, to follow and engage in mission, become fishers of people, and a call to repent and trust in Christ. No matter who you are, you are welcome in God's kingdom. That is such good news.